Prepare to be astonished. It's that time again. Let's get started. From the Clatsop County Historical Society, an adventure in history with Matt Burns and Alana Quila. You should never be allowed to talk to people. Some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. And now, with today's adventure, it's Mac and Alana. Good evening, and welcome back to another Adventure in History. We went over an Adventure in History, the name, last week. We did. So if you want to <laughs> go look at our podcasts, all of which are available on Coast Community Radio. So maybe Radio. we should just always have a guest, because maybe you and I just get goofy when we're by ourselves. I know. I, well, it was an interesting story. Well, sure. Big tease there. Is, is it ever not interesting? It's not. But you know, we have a very interesting guest here tonight. Oh, would you like to I'm say excited. one thing about yourself without telling us who you are? Um, maybe something about your job. What do you do on a daily basis? Hmm, I take care of a lot of people. Ooh. Ooh, that could be a lot of different things. Could she could be a teacher? Could be. She could be a funeral director. <laughs> Why did you go there? Well, I mean, <laughs> usually I'm one, the one to the that, other. Usually, I'm the one that goes there. She could be a florist. Could be a school bus driver. What else do you do? How many, how many people on a, on a regular day would you say that you take care of? Well, on a regular day, I take care of about 15 people in person and many more in different ways that does not require them being in present. Anywhere mm-hmm. from an additional 5 to 15? Oh, even more than that. Oh, 5 to or 15 to what? 50. Let's say 30. Oh, my goodness. So I never would have guessed how many people. So up to 45 people approximately a day. Dr. Dominique Greco is here with us this evening. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. I'm glad you're here. We're going to talk about why you're here and how you got here. But first. Let's get rid of the history highlights. Let's do it. And plugs. Yes. So I haven't plugged this in a while, but um, Flavel House. Oh, yeah. We would not survive without volunteers. And you have an opening and we still. Have, we have more than one opening. Oh, okay. So, and especially with cruise ships coming in. Mm-hmm. River cruises are coming regularly. Ocean cruises are, are coming. Fun. We could use some help. Okay. If you got a couple of hours a week or you just want to be a fill-in. And didn't you have a greater demand on the weekend? Yes. Okay. So greater Always. demand on the weekend. You, Always on the weekends. You can harder. wear a mask. You, you don't have to. You can wear a mask. We encourage our visitors to wear masks. And yeah. still about a third are, I would right. say. So, okay. But give us a call. Check out our website. Uh, contact us if you're, if you're interested. It's fun. You get to meet people from all over the world. Wonderful. So, all right. So the history highlights, because we've got a lot to talk about today. Yes. Uh, so these are things that happen tomorrow, April 18th. So if you want to be smart, or these are icebreakers, conversation starters. 1783, the American Revolution, George Washington issues general order announcing the end of hostilities with Britain, Ooh. giving thanks to the Almighty and offering congratulations and authorizing an extra ration of alcohol to the troops to celebrate. <laughs> That's the reason I did that one. That's a good one. <laughs> I like that. And the Almighty being Thanks. himself? No. No. Of course not. Okay. Uh, 1906, the Great San Francisco Earthquake kills nearly 4,000, destroying 75% oh. of the city. Oh, my goodness. And I, and I, I had, I have, Nellie Flavel, her diaries, she is in San Francisco oh, wow. with her sister and mom, and she writes right after this. For pages, because she says, I got to write this while it's still fresh. <gasps> and it's an amazing firsthand account of the earthquake. Oh, let's do the that fire. one night. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty amazing. Uh, 1924, the first crossword puzzle book is published by Simon & Schuster. There we go. Crossword puzzles. Take that, Wordle. <laughs> 
1925, the World's Fair opens in Chicago. Oh, that's fun. I was almost going to make that the history highlight of the day. That's big. Because it has a lot of impact. Uh, 1930, this one just amused me. Uh, The BBC news announcer, this is 1930, announces, there is no news at the 2045 news broadcast bulletin time. And he plays music instead. (laughs) Could you imagine? I cannot imagine. Can you imagine (laughs) Fox News, CNN, all the others? There's nothing to report. Oh, Let's yeah. just sit down and relax. <laughs> Here's some rain. <laughs> now, there were certainly days when I worked in television where I felt mm. like that's what I was doing. Mm-hmm. But uh, that would have not gone over well. Yes. No. Nothing news to report. <laughs> All right. Uh, 1942, Doolittle uh, leads the air raid on Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Uh, 16 American B-25 bombers launched from the aircraft carrier USS Hornet. They fly 650 miles. And basically, it was to, to let Japan know we weren't sitting this one out. Hmm. That we could reach you if we needed to. Right. Uh, Let's see. 1943, Operation Vengeance. U.S. Army Air Force P-38G fighter aircraft uh, from Guadalcanal ambush and shoot down the transport bomber aircraft of uh, Commander-in-Chief of the Imperial Japanese Navy Yamamoto. He's the mastermind behind Pearl Harbor. I did see that one. There's a great little exhibit down at uh, the wind and the... uh, the Air and Space Museum. Okay. In, uh, in uh, gosh, we just talked about this. Oh, in Tillamook. McMinnville. McMinnville. Oh, McMinnville. McMinnville. Um, yeah, they've got like a piece of something, but they tell this whole story and it's kind of okay. neat. But we basically knew where he was and took him out. Right, yeah. Uh, let's see, but our, uh, history, this our history highlight. highlight? I got to check to make sure I don't have, yeah. So the history highlight of the day, because there's a whole bunch I could read, but I'm not going to. In 1775, Revere and Dawes warned of the British attack. Oh. And it's not the British are coming. It's the regulars are coming. Yeah. <laughs> 1775. Yeah, that's... And it's not just Revere. It's another guy. Oh, okay. So there's yep. two of them that make the ride. Okay. That is... That's a good one. You didn't... It sounds like you missed what, quite a few. but a, a normal one from you, 1923. Yankee Stadium opens with Babe Ruth hitting a three-run homer as the Yankees beat the Red Sox four to one. I'm a Mets fan. I hate the Yankees. So it's like they don't exist. <laughs> is that how well, it works? Well, t- it was terrible because Derek Jeter and Joe Torre in the 90s made them likable. They did, yeah. And it's unfortunate because, because you they... grow up, you hate the Yankees, you love the Mets, and then all of a sudden, like, they're not so bad. <laughs> they're not the evil empire. They just win a lot. Yes. Yes. Okay, 1918, Clifton Keith Hillgrass, founder of the study guides known as, anyone, anyone? Cliff Notes? Yes. Ooh. Cliff Notes. So I just wonder what he would think of like Wikipedia today. I mean, because he—that's I was thinking that's like the original Wikipedia. It was him, yeah. It's the short and sweet. It's not very accurate, <laughs> <laughs> but the gist of it is there, right? 1918. He was born. Wow. So there you go. I so don't. Some, I don't so have, somebody who didn't take Cliff Notes. She did obviously to get where she is. Lots of school. <laughs> How is that for a segue? Doctor Greco's here. <laughs> Thankfully, or did you do the Cliff's Notes version? I did not. No, I have lots of books and papers still in my garage from all of that studying. So where did you go to college? I actually went to college at Lewis and Clark College in Portland. And did you know then that you were going to go into medicine? Because Lewis and Clark, does that does that have medicine? Uh, nope, I didn't do medical school there, okay. but um, probably about the time I was midway through my um, schooling at Lewis and Clark, I kind of knew I was moving that direction. It was kind of between teaching and medicine and science, um, and kind of 
at that time in my mind, the medicine was a little bit more of a challenge. So I kept saying, okay, well, I'm going to do this. And if that goes well, then I'll keep going. And somehow I just kept going. Oh, interesting. So things went well. <laughs> well, I, some days they went well. Some days, you know, you were just trying to keep your head above water, but I did keep going. So back up a little bit because you jumped right into college. I did, yeah. Well, I <laughs> wanted people to know there's no Cliff's Nose version in uh, gotcha. med- medical school. So back up, where did you grow up and, and what led to the schooling that you, you took? What, what sure. led to this career path? Um, I grew up in Squim, Washington um, since I was seven. So my family had moved to um, Squim after or from the East Coast. My dad was working in computers back when computers were like took up the entire room and wanted to get out of that scenario. So he drug his family out to um, Squim, Washington, very small. And um, that's what I really remember as growing up and being part of a small town and living in the Northwest. And so um, so what, what does he do computers on the East coast? And then he decides to move to Washington. What does he do? He's not doing computers in Washington. Is he? No, he, um, became a rural route carrier. So he went, started working for the post office, um, initially just part-time because, um, his dream had always been to build a house. And so that's one of the memories that I think my siblings and I have is from the first several years was all about getting the property and building a log cabin, um, and kind of what that looks like when you're a kid <laughs> so, so I'm picturing the wilderness family yeah. on Disney <laughs> how close is that to your experience um I don't know if I guess there's some similarities we initially started this is one of my kind of things people don't maybe know that much and it's not a big deal but when I started third grade which was the first year I went to swim um, school I started from the Dungeness campground we were living in a tent and oh, so wow. I got to go out to the edge of the campground to catch the bus and come home and do my homework on the picnic table. So that lasted just for a few months because, of mm-hmm. course, winter. So then we moved into a cabin. And between all those years, it was cabin or trailer, um, different scenarios until the house was built. How long did that take? I mean, four kids, two adults, That's six yeah. of you. That's six of us in a small trailer. <laughs> it was an adventure. Um it took a few years. Uh, my memory's not that great on exact amount of time, but yeah, a few years before we were in the house itself. And then what was that? What did the house look like? I mean, it was a log cabin because then, I mean, your parents lived there for the re- I mean, for a long time. For a long time yeah. until they moved down to the North Coast here. Um, so it was um, a pretty small log cabin, had only one bathroom for six people, kind of something you don't really envision <laughs> wanting to have at this point in time. Um, Definitely built by a man. Yes. <laughs> My mom helped a lot. I'm stunned that a log cabin, there's an indoor plumbing. Oh, yeah. Indoor, yes. Indoor bathroom. Yes, oh, there was. There and a washer and dryer. No mm-hmm. dishwasher, though. Um, but the the kids' bedrooms were in the loft, and so um, we had half of an upstairs. Yeah, it was it was a great kind of little house on the prairie kind of thing. Does that house still stand? It does. Have you ever been back? Um, actually, we just went back for spring break to the Squim area and drove by the old house and um, saw what they were doing. The woman who bought it actually has um, developed it more into a farm than it had been when my parents, you know, finally left there. And so she's got some pigs and a big garden. And it was, yeah, she's doing a lot with it. It's exciting that it went to such a, a grand place. Oh, fun. Yeah. Oh, I like Amazing. that. So then Squim. So Squim to Portland to Portland for, for college for undergrad yep and what are you going to school for at this point life knowledge don't know figuring I'm gonna 
major in biology. So I majored in biology, but I got a Bachelor of Arts with my minor in Latin American area studies. So I would be very diverse. Um, And yeah, Lewis and Clark was a great school for me. It was small, um, had a lot of opportunities. I got to travel during school, um, one of my passions. So started me off well right there. Private school, very nice. Yeah. Yes. Interestingly enough, that's uh, not the school I thought I would go to, but back at that point in time, it was the school that had the best financial aid package for me. Oh, and nice. in the in the long run, I wouldn't have chosen a different place to go. So after that, so then you have to start thinking um, about what you want to do for post uh, undergrad. Um, and like you said, you were kind of just saying, well, what am I going to do? Am I going to keep doing this? This is still hard. So at that point, you do have to apply to get into medical school. You do. You also have to take your MCATs. So you have to take a test kind of like the SATs when you're in high school, but about Mm -hmm. science. So I actually ended up taking two years off so I could um, make sure I had all of the prerequisites, took, take the MCAT, apply for college or med school, and then went to med school at University of Washington in Seattle. Well, actually I was a whammy, um, which can have a derogatory term for a lot of people at that time. They'd say they got whammied. I chose (laughs) to be whammied, which is Washington, Alaska, Montana, Idaho. So those smaller states that didn't have their own medical schools, they all filtered into University of Washington in Seattle, but the Mm -hmm. first years were done in your own states. And Washington Mm -hmm. participated by having some of us in Pullman, Washington, and we partnered with the team in um, Idaho, in Moscow. So I ended up going to that for my first year which was amazing to have such a small team of a group of students and we got to really bond and we did half of our days in washington half of our days in idaho (laughs) and a beautiful that's a beautiful part of the country too yeah and it kept it small for me i'm kind of a small town small person small small area I, i like to get to know people i like it to be less than the very large um places like going back to the university of washington and so i made it through there because I had a really good group of friends. And then as soon as I could, I started doing rotations in other locations and getting out more rural again. And why rural? What was the... Just that's who I... That's where I anticipated I was going to be growing up rural. It just... That's where I feel comfortable. And that's what I wanted... Knew I wanted to do. Um, And I knew I always would be family practice, Mm -hmm. which is what I do here. And so doing family practice since you see all ages it's great to be in a smaller area where there's a lot of need mm-hmm. so we haven't even said where you work you work at yeah. providence seaside hospital and north coast medical clinic so was that did you work here first was this your first job out of residency this is my first job out of residency okay. yes so do you want to say what year that was um i moved here in 2000 okay. so 20 wow. plus years Wow, 22 years. So I think she probably likes it here. Yeah, I think so. Well, and she brought almost her entire family. There's still two that have time to move here. (laughs) Yes, I don't think we'll ever get the whole family here, but... But they did. Half is pretty good. Yeah. (laughs) So so when you apply... I mean, coming to a rural or getting a job in a rural town then in 2000, um, it was much more rural than it is now. What did you think when you came here? Was it uh, what you expected Thankfully, I already knew the area, um, having been to school in Portland. 
I came out to the coast often. Uh, one of my bestest friends still lives here in Seaside, and so she, you know, Marcy Udy, she was with me through college, and I got to know her family and a lot of her friends here. So it was kind of a natural decision mm -hmm. to come here instead of some of the other locations that I looked at. And did you, was there actively like looking for here or was it just when it was time there happened to be an opening, you were like, Hey, this is the place to go. A little bit of both. So mm -hmm. yes, not that I was seeking out seaside in particular, mm -hmm. but looking at Northwest rural and there happened to be a position open that fit exactly what I had trained to do. So, mm -hmm. um, I decided this was where I was supposed to be. And right where a friend was already, right where I had my second family. Oh, I love that. So because my knowledge of medical school is zero, <laughs> you talked about a close group of friends. Now, my image from movies and TV and just urban legend is like law school, that there's a lot of people that don't finish, that start it. So was your close group of friends all, did they all survive? Did they all make it through or... Did a lot of people drop out? Or? Yeah, from that very first year, the 30 of us who started, there were two who I think did not end up finishing. So not a not a large number. It's not is, bad. Is that normal? I'm stunned. I can't even tell you at this point in time. Mm -hmm. I'm so far removed from medical school <laughs> at this point. <laughs> seems like if you've invested that much time in biology. But it also seems to me that it'd be so hard. It, it doesn't get easier, right? And then somebody discovers they don't like blood or somebody discovers that, that this is more work than they thought it would be. I don't know. Just I'm, I'm amazed at that number of the, yeah. the finish. I would not that was just it. my experience. Uh, I mean, I can't speak to, in, I don't know uh, the statistics on uh, how many people overall. Mm -hmm. um, but of course, just like everything, even in residency, some people mm -hmm. end up in residency being like, yeah, this isn't the job for me. Mm -hmm. Some people go into medicine and then decide to change careers. So it happens. And at what point do you choose a, a specialty or a field within that? I mean, you start medical school, but do you know right away, I'm going to be a, a general practitioner or I'm going to be a surgeon or I'm going to, I mean, what point do you make that decision? So and you have to make that? that decision your fourth year because okay. you go through the match process where you um, select, you interview and rank where what residencies you want to go to and the residencies do the same and they match you up with your best fit. And so at that point you are selecting residencies in something specific like family medicine or pediatrics or general surgery. So by the time you finish medical school, you have to kind of know that. Mm -hmm. That being said, people have changed residencies before as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, interesting. And where did you do your residency? I did my residency in Ventura, California at the County Medical Center there. And that was um, kind of a chosen place in part of a group of residencies that have are known for that kind of training because we were the only residency program there. So you're not kind of peeking over the shoulders of the fellows and all the other residents. You get to be right there doing things. And also um, they have a lot of obstetrics, which was something I was interested in and a fellowship that I could um, consider staying to do after I finished residency, which I did end up doing. Oh, interesting. Because Ventura, it's not small. It's not as small. And then a county, the, the county health clinic. I mean, that's quite a different sort of field. I mean, that's. But to get really good training that, it's the kind of place that you see a lot of things. You get to take care of a lot of different patients. Um, for me, I also enjoy speaking Spanish, and I really enjoy that culture. So that was also another factor that every day I was speaking Spanish there. 
Oh, perfect. And without, uh, and if, if this is a totally inappropriate question, go ahead and just tell me so. <laughs> but without giving names, of course, is there any just amazing, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe the time that this happened, or I saw this kind of a, a medical problem? I mean, is there just any amazing stories? Of- <laughs> Thankfully, I have one of those memories that those don't just sit in my head all the time. But I've had a few. I would say one that comes to mind is the... Um, unexpected twin pregnancy where (laughs) you deliver one baby and we all kind of look at each other to be, oh, there might be another one in there. (sighs) Was that, I'm assuming, not your patient that came in? Exactly. It was a patient who, yes, no one had any prior experience with and, um, you know, not something you usually anticipate in these days with ultrasounds, but... Um, depending on the whole scenario, you can still have surprising things like that. And so a surprise to the mom too, I'm guessing. Yes. Oh my dear. Oh, that <laughs> like makes the, my heart beat a I, little bit. I know all the planning. We got the crib, yeah, we got the stroller and then all oh, of a dear. sudden it's all out the yeah. window. <laughs> we need two of everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, maybe that's better too. <laughs> then you don't have to think about it. It just happens, right? My brother-in-law had triplets and, and had a special needs older sibling already so just my my opinion of him is always just through the roof but he says as as they're strolling with the the triple stroller if they see twins they just laugh go amateurs yeah (laughs) (laughs) because one was hard enough for me i can't even imagine two let alone three three. (laughs) keeping that schedule down it's got to be lack of sleep but but at least being prepared right that's the the shocking part carly's best friends are triplets wow that's right they are yep adorable that's funny so what do, you, what do you love about Seaside and Clatsop County? I mean, what keeps you here? Uh, the community in terms of, as I mentioned, kind of having a lot of good friends that I've known since I was basically a teenager. Um, now having my family here, really enjoying my job as well. Um, it's a, a place, a, the type of job and the place to work in Providence where just every day is something new, something different, something to learn about, something that is a new problem that we may or may not be able to fix, but we're sure going to give it a try. Um, I also still love rural. I don't mind the rain. <laughs> I like being at the ocean, getting to walk out there every day, just go down, take a, take a walk at the prom, take a peek at the beach mm-hmm. all the time. So what's it like, because when you're in a rural community like ours, you do run into your patients all the time. And now with 22 years, you must be having some patients where you're seeing their children grow up. Um, what's it like running into people everywhere, wherever you go, your patients? Yeah, some days I feel like I do run into people everywhere I go, and some days I feel like, oh, I don't know anybody in the town anymore. <laughs> so it's pretty varied. Um, and by and large, it's good. I feel like patients have good respect for sort of, you know, saying hi, but not, you know, generally wanting to like have a whole visit in the, in the grocery <laughs> store. And hey, while you're here, could you look at I this? <laughs> and a lot of my patients are as well, my friends. Um, so, you know, it's an interesting scenario to, to be socializing with people who you also know their medical history about, but, um, something that I haven't had any problems keeping all of my roles in, in the right places. And, um, yeah, it's good. So I test her with that because 
I'm married to Mark, as you know, and Dominique's sister is married to Paul, Mark's brother. Ah. So her sister and I are sister-in-laws. I should have guessed there was a connection. There is a connection. (laughs) And so she delivered both of my beautiful little girls who call her Auntie, Auntie Neek, um, and truly believe she is a blood relative because it's very far. I mean, (laughs) it'll take them a while to figure out the whole family tree. But um, And her mom is grandma, so... I mean, I think um, Carly sometimes calls me Auntie Dr. Neek. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she does hold doctors in high regard. (laughs) But I like that Auntie trumps Doc somehow. It does. I mean, how (laughs) how special is that, though, too? I mean, I I love it. But Mm. I mean, I would think that sometimes running into your patients wouldn't always be fun. Yeah. That was kind of surprised. Yeah. And it's not oh, always yeah. fun, but I, th- that's not the piece of it that I remember. Those are far and few between times. So beginning this, you said that you may see up to 45 people a day. Not Remote, see up to 45. So let's, let me clarify yeah. that. So usually during a course of a full patient day, 15 to 18 patients, but between answering phone calls and doing refills for patients or checking their lab work and okay. getting back to them, just the number of things that you're doing throughout the day, it's quite a few more people that you're kind of taking care of in the background. And and how many current patients do you have in your Rolodex or in the file system that And can you take any more? Yeah. 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 (laughs) So yeah, panel sizes fluctuate, but um around twelve hundred patients would be kind of a typical panel size for a full time provider in our clinic um system. And um, so I think I'm about there. That's astounding. And are you taking new patients? I generally um, am taking new obstetric patients and their families. Um, also transfers from p- providers who end up leaving the area. And depending on the scenario, we always have exceptions. And so sometimes there's a new patient, even when we think we have so many. They're, we're always making room for people who need care. And if people want to deliver a baby at Providence, what can they expect? Like, what should they, what should they do if they want to? Um, well, we of course provide prenatal care and so they get established with one of the providers and, um, go through their prenatal care, getting education and care throughout. And then we have our birthing center, um, which you get a tour of beforehand. So you know, what's available and it's kind of a learning process when it's your first one. And then second one, people come back and they're kind of, they're the experts. They, they have so many different, such a different view on it. And it's interesting to see that how they don't have as many questions because it's not, everything is not brand new. Yes. So I'm a museum guy and I like creating exhibits, telling stories, but I get bogged down personnel issues, budget issues. So you obviously like caring for people. How much of your time gets not the fun stuff of dealing with insurance companies or or protocols, things like that, versus I'm actually working with a patient and, and helping them get better. Yeah, so um, for me, I am do a good portion of all of that other less fun stuff. I am um, medical director for our clinic as well, the primary care side of it, so I spend a good point three of my time to do things like policies and working with the managers and not specifically insurance, but we have a really good support and backup for providers. Like providers don't talk to the insurance daily. It's more when things are, have gone up the chain and they really need to speak to a provider. It's reassuring. That's nice. Yeah. (laughs) 
Because especially in your profession, uh, you didn't get into it to do paperwork. Well, <laughs> you got into help people. <laughs> that is very true. But there is so much paperwork, even in our paperless computer system. Oh, is there still? <laughs> of course. Uh-huh. So you started. So in two thousand, had we we hadn't switched to all paperless yet. Not in the hospital, in the clinic, they had okay. a, a computer system. It was different than the current one, though. Got it. Okay, because I remember when it went across the country and. People or hospitals picked different um, different sites to use. So great. Well, we thank wonderful. you so much. And thank you for bringing two wonderful children into the world. Yes, we thank you. <laughs> yes, take care of they're Alana. adorable. <laughs> we like we like her family. So glad you take care of them. That's, anything? Else? That's all. We're yeah. Just thank you for joining us tonight. And if you wanted to learn anything more about Providence Eastside Hospital or Dr. Greco, you can find more information online, or you can call our clinic five zero three seven one seven seven thousand. You got it memorized. Do lots of sevens. (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening. Go make some history. We'll catch you next week. Thank you for joining us for an adventure in history. An adventure in history is created and produced by the Clatsop County Historical Society and brought to you by KMUN.